This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. That is America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you for being here. Happy Saturday. One more hour. How can this show flies by every uh, every Saturday? So we've been talking a lot. I've been doing a lot of research on this about how, well, generally how we come to conclusions about things because I want to know why people make certain arguments. There's a reason why. So I've been doing a lot of research on that. Um, and we're going to share a little more as, as the weeks go on each week. But now I want to talk about how people make up their own reality. So in this hierarchy of, I guess how we communicate, we have reality at the top. This is the most important thing. Reality below that we have principle and then below that policy now we used to agree on reality and then we'd have uh you know we'd agree on principle but we'd have disagreements on policy right and that's okay that makes sense so let me give you an example so um I'll give an economic example. This is easy to understand. So we all used to agree, almost everyone in America would agree with the economic principle that low taxes result in economic growth. Right? So everyone agrees that. Democrats, Republicans, we all agree that low taxes result in economic growth. But we would have a disagreement on the policy, right? The specifics of that. So Republicans would say, I want a one, this is when the income tax first started, we want a 1% income tax and Democrats would be like, no, we want it to be 3%. But no Democrats said they wanted it 80%, right? Because we agree that low taxes result in economic growth. We all want economic growth. Let's keep the taxes as low as, as possible. So, we, But we'd have a disagreement on policy, and that's fine. And then we'd compromise and say, okay, 2%. Okay? I had a caller on my local show the other day say, Slater, you know, it's so crazy today. Progressives and conservatives, we don't even agree on core principles anymore. And that's totally true. I mean, now we have Democrats and we have people in this country who think that higher taxes result in economic growth. So if I think low taxes, if I have the economic principle that low taxes result in economic growth, and you have the economic principle that high taxes result in economic growth, how are we ever going to agree on a policy? You can't compromise with that. There's no compromising. You think higher, the better. So what are we going to do? It doesn't work. 
we're going to do immigration. I want to talk about some border stuff coming up if we have time. Everyone used to agree on at least the principle, like like the, the concept of a sovereign nation, right? And a secure nation. And we disagree on policy. Like, well, how do we keep our nation safe? Now, we, we don't even agree on that principle of, of sovereign nationhood. Some people want no borders. So how do we have a conversation with that? Okay, so that's that's where we've we've been for a while now, where we just disagree on core principles. I want to go a step further, though. I don't even think we agree on reality anymore, right? That's like that's the most important fundamental thing. So forget about not agreeing on core principles. We don't even agree on reality, and we make up our own reality based on whatever we want. I got an email the other day. Let me pull this up. A Facebook message. From someone. Long time listener. Okay, this is what he said. This is on Wednesday. He said, Slater, this man, and he sent me a picture. Sent me a picture of a guy dead laying on the sidewalk. Slater, this man committed suicide in Tijuana soon after being deported. By the way, real quick timeout. If you want to sound like uh, like you're a San Diegan, it's not Tijuana. Uh, growing up, I always thought it was Tijuana. It's Tijuana. And when I first moved here, I'm like, Tijuana, down the street. And they're like, ah, it's Tijuana. Anyway, this man committed suicide in Tijuana soon after being deported. He jumped off a bridge. He was a father of three. I know this story may not make national news, but these kinds of stories will be highlighted by some media outlets. And he linked to some post from a, a Tijuana newspaper. Nobody's for keeping violent criminals in the country. However, I hope more compassion is shown towards these people moving forward. Okay. So this person, his name's Edgar, totally made up a story about this guy. So I'm going to assume, I'm gonna, we're going to move forward with the assumption for the sake of this conversation, that this man did in fact jump off a bridge and commit suicide. Okay, we're going to assume, because that's not even necessarily true. We don't know. But we're going to go with that just so we can even move forward. So let's agree that he jumped off a bridge, committed suicide in Tijuana. How do you know anything else about this guy? How do you know it was because he was deported? And, and so, so look, look at this. So Edgar, someone who wants open borders, basically, right? He's creating this, this movie in his head about this guy, right? He was a father of three. Oh, he was an amazing, incredible father. Loved his children so much. They loved him. And he was a great man. This person jumped off the bridge and killed himself. A great man. He, He worked hard for his kids. Oh, he has three jobs. Do you know that three jobs works the late shift, but still finds time to spend with his kids. He lost all of his jobs. The economy he wanted is just not going good. So he lost all of his jobs. So he just wanted to come to America to live the American dream his whole life since he was a little boy. He's been wanting to come to America and live this dream. And he tried to get to America the legal way and it just didn't happen. So he, he came across the border and, and he got deported. And he said, please, please let me stay in America. I love this country. I'll do anything for this country. And we were so uncompassionate. 
we were so rude, so awful to this man that when we deported him back to Tijuana, he could think of nothing else to do other than to jump off a bridge. And it's your fault, America. It's your fault, President Trump. It's your fault, conservatives, for not being a compassionate people. Right? Totally made up. Edgar has no idea that that's what this guy's story is. No clue whatsoever. But because he wants to believe, he wants to prove that we are not compassionate, he will make up a story about this guy on the fly about what a wonderful person he is and what a terrible person you are. We have no clue what this guy's story is. He could be a horrible person. He could be a drug dealer. He could be a gang member. He could have come to America and committed crimes and then we deported him we have no clue no one knows literally no one knows i don't know what happened to him i don't know what his deal is but either does edgar that's the point but edgar is going to assume the war the, the absolute best about this guy the absolute best and how could you america just be such lacking in compassion that you wouldn't accept this man? maybe he was going to commit suicide anyway maybe he was going to come to america and murder 100 people i don't know i have no clue but you can't assume whatever story Edgar's making up either. Do you know what I'm saying? They're just making people. We're just making up reality. So that, I mean, that's my point here about reality. We can't even agree on reality when everyone's just making up their own stories in their heads. All right, let me give you another example of making up your own reality. This is a terrible quality of a clip. I apologize. This is the best I could find though. Uh, so I hope you can hear it. Okay. This is president Trump when he was a candidate at one of his campaign rallies. The game is what is the racist thing that he's saying here? Pick out the racist sentence. 'm the quality's so terrible there but but if you could hear that, did you hear the racist thing? Of course not uh the line the racist line is quote, "We're the people who built this country and made this country great now, if you heard that like me uh you you thought uh who's he talking about law abiding people right people who share American values of hard work, decency, playing by the rules like we're the people who built this country that's what that's what he was talking about but if you have experienced trauma, real or imaginary, and you believe that slavery built this country, that black people built this country, well, white people built it, but on the blacks, on the, on the backs of slavery, then you heard Donald Trump say something very different there, and you projected on him your own reality. Hence this question to uh, White House spokesperson Sean Spicer by a reporter, 1392. Okay, what did the president uh, gain from his tour today? Um, you talked about where he visited, uh, the, exhibits, the exhibits that he visited. Did he also visit slavery? And the reason why I'm uh, asking this is because when he was candidate Trump, he said things like, you know, we made this country, meaning... Uh, white America, not necessarily black. Did he gain? Well, well, I don't know why you would say that. What do you mean? No, no, no. He said that. I heard him say that. Well, no, no. But look, the answer to your question is right. One of the first exhibits okay, that he did. So, 
the lady that that reporter heard him say that white America built this country. She heard it. And Sean Spicer's like, what are you talking? No, no, I heard it. I heard him say that white America built this country. Never happened. She completely made that up in her brain. She made up that reality. So let's say we want to have, uh, we want to create policy. Now this is like a thing that this isn't the best example because there's no policy that comes from this, but let's say we wanted to come to a core principle, me and, and that woman right there. We, let's sorry, let's say it again. Me and this woman, let's say we're supposed to come to a policy together. Okay. All right. Well, if we're going to come to a policy, we have to agree on core principles. How can we agree on core principles if we hear that speech from Donald Trump and hear completely different things? We don't even agree on reality. Now, it's one thing if you hear a speech or something and you miss part of it, right? Or, you know, you, you missed a word here or whatever. But it's a whole nother level of delusion if you're adding words, right? Isn't it fascinating how our brains work like that? We can lie to ourselves so much about what we hear and what we see. This woman heard a speech and added a word to it. White America. He didn't say white America. Not at all. So we add a word and then get mad at it. So we make up our own reality and then get mad at it. How funny. And this woman's so passionate about it that she had to ask the White House spokesperson about it. He didn't say it. Donald Trump didn't say it. She heard it, though. She heard it. I believe she heard it. He didn't say it, but she heard it. That's the power of lying to ourselves and making up our own reality. Fascinating, fascinating. I, I just think it's, it's wild. Uh, so how do we talk to each other if we can't even agree on what is real? All right, we'll do a follow. We'll do the, uh, the closing um, conclusion of this next. 1-800-933-93. Mike Slater, so the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. So we have um, reporters. There's a White House correspondent there making up hysteria in her brain. Uh, another example of, of this is the latest with transgender bathrooms. Now, this is a little different. Um, I don't know if this is hysteria, what I'm about to share here. I think this is intentionally left out. So if you have hysteria, it's, 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 not, um, it's not intentional. You're so wrapped up in it 
that you just don't even really know you're doing. Like this woman, she heard, she feels like she heard Trump say white America built this country. She's not intentionally, rationally thinking like, hmm, if I say that he said white America, then I, that's like, it's, that's different. This is like, I really think he did. I swear he did. I heard it. A little different. Maybe that's not, doesn't really make that big of a difference, but go with me here. This is from the New York Times the other day. Um, this is intentionally left out. This is intentionally, willfully, uh, logically, from their perspective, written this way. New York Times, quote, The bathroom debate, as the controversy has become known, emerged as a major and divisive issue last March when North Carolina passed a bill barring transgender people from using bathrooms that do not match their biological sex. Okay. No. That is not how this started. That is not how this emerged. The bathroom debate did not emerge from the state of North Carolina passing a bill banning transgender people from using bathrooms. It started when Charlotte passed an ordinance out of nowhere saying that transgender people can use whatever bathroom they want. That then led to a response from the state that said, no, you can't. It did not start from hateful Republicans in the Capitol sitting around saying, hmm, who, who should we you know, attack next? It started with progressives in Charlotte wanting to pick a fight. And if you want to go back even further than that, it really started because the gay lobby now has nothing to do. After the Supreme Court ruling, right, gay marriage is now legal everywhere, the, the gay lobby, the gay infrastructure looked around, the gay activists looked around and said, well, now what do we do? And they said, well, uh, transgender bathrooms. And they picked that fight in Charlotte. And then once the election was over, Charlotte, the city, who voted to enact the ordinance, voted 10 nothing to repeal the ordinance. So the whole thing was a political stunt. This is no different than the war on women. 2008, George Stephanopoulos, in a debate, a presidential debate, asked Mitt Romney out of nowhere if he supports states banning contraception. Do you remember this? Governor Romney, do you think do you support states banning contraception? And Mitt Romney's response was, um, what? What are you talking about? Who? I don't, I don't know, George. Who wants to do that? What do you? Out of nowhere, that was the first shot fired in the war on women narrative. Same with the Charlotte ordinance. They picked a fight. Who was asking for transgender bathroom rights? What do you, what, 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 and then the state came in and said, whoa, 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 whoa. And then the media, of course, framed this as this giant effort of Republicans to discriminate against trans people. When it was really just that the whole, the whole point of this was to paint Republicans as bigots. Amazing. So a few, to, bring it, to bring it more recent, a few months before Obama left office, he passed a rule that said any school that receives federal funds, almost all of them, can't discriminate against people, people for their gender identity. Now, the law says that you can't discriminate against someone based on their gender but the law has been changed, has been rewritten, or excuse me, reinterpreted to include gender identity. So that means if you're a school that receives federal funds, again, all of them almost, then you have to let transgender boys, girls go in whatever bathroom they want. So Trump just said he's going to re- repeal that or rescind it. And then, of course, the headline is 
Trump discriminates against transgender students. We're just going back to the way it's always been before out of nowhere this fight was picked in the first place. So it's it's all it's there's so much to say there's so much made up reality uh, everyone's just making up their own stories about this whole thing I'll end with this because I got like 60 seconds millennials are pushing this this is a millennial activist thing and it's because millennials want their own Selma we were raised as uh, you know the way we were taught was that civil rights leaders are the most incredible saviors of human history so millennials grew up wanting our own Selma but Fighting for actual issues requires either moral consistency, so we're not going to talk about abortion, money, so we're not going to do anything about poverty, or just a lot of time. But gay rights requires none of that, right? Gay people have plenty of money. doesn't require any moral consistency on our part to be an ally. And you can just change your Twitter picture to prove you're an activist. So that takes four seconds, so it doesn't even take a lot of time. So it's the perfect cause for super lazy millennials. That was the whole gay marriage thing. But now that that battle's been won, like I said, they don't, no one knows what to do. So we just moved on to transgender people. But the whole root of this is millennials' desire to be like the freedom fighters of the civil rights era. So everything about transgender rights is framed under the umbrella of, well, it's just the same as civil rights for black people. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like it's a really totally, totally, completely different in, in a million different ways. But it will always be framed like that because deep down that's what millennials... Uh, wish they were not even they're not even close to that but that's what millennials we wish we were if only we could actually agree on a righteous cause to fight for mike slater show spread the word this is mike slater part of the next generation of talk radio on the blaze radio network Mike Slater. Uh, we did a video on this just the other day on our Facebook page. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. Um, sort of on this general theme. I saw a headline on on uh, a PJ Media article. And PJ Media is a conservative news outlet, and they don't usually do stuff like this. But the headline is DHS, Department of Homeland Security, orders breathtaking crackdown on illegal immigration. All right. There's nothing breathtaking about it. Don't don't make things more dramatic than they need to be. I, I guess it's breathtaking in the fact that there's any sort of change in our immigration policy. I mean, that's breathtaking. But the, but the policy itself is not breathtaking. The biggest change to uh, the newest orders from Homeland Security, the, the Secretary John Kelly, is that people caught at the border will be immediately sent back. So the current policy is, believe it or not, if someone is caught at our border, and so I live in San Diego, so the border's, I don't know, probably 40 minutes from where I am right now. Uh, if someone's caught at the border, they are released in the United States and then told to come back for a hearing with an immigration judge at a later date. Okay, we've shared the story many times where we've talked to border agents where people will come across the border, 
wave down the border agents. So back in the day, they would try to run away from the border agents. Today, they wave to the border agents. Hey, I'm over here. Aki, aki. The border agent comes to them, picks them up, and then drops them off at the trolley station on our side of the border. And shockingly, very few of these people show up to their immigration hearing. The border agents say they're nothing but a Walmart welcoming crew. So, Trump's team sat around the table and said, okay, well, before we find out what we're going to do, let's look at what we're currently doing. And there's no one who sat around that table with two brain cells of common sense said, well, this is good. Let's keep doing this. This makes a lot of sense. We're going to pick up people at the border and drop them off on the, at the trolley stop. Good night. So if you are caught coming across the border, you are now sent right back to Mexico. End of story. That shouldn't be controversial at all. So we made this Facebook video and I hope Trump goes with this messaging. We got to go big to small. And not only do we have to do that, but we have to tell people that that's how we're doing this. We're going big to small. You are going to hear endless stories in the next few weeks of families being ripped apart from the, from each other. Oh, I read one. I have this article up. Um, I don't have it up, but you know what? You're, you've already heard it before, and you're going to hear so many articles like this. Families being ripped apart. Children being ripped out of the arms of their mother. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be like Trump's executive order with refugees and stuff, where newspapers will be actively soliciting people to email them stories of how they're affected by Trump's new immigration policy. And some of the stories are going to be true, and many of them will be false. Like the guy who said his mother died in Iraq because her plane was sent back when she was coming to America to seek care. When in reality, she died five days before the executive order. Or the Muslim Olympian fencer who said she was detained for hours because of Trump's executive order because she's a Muslim, even though she has a gold medal representing this country. She was still detained for hours. Uh, But all that actually happened in December, a month and a half before Trump was even inaugurated, sworn in as president, but but whatever, it fits the narrative, right? So a lot of the stories are going to be completely, totally false. Some fathers will be deported, I'm sure. But what those articles are not going to tell you is that that father's a known gang member and drug dealer who has committed multiple felonies. To the media, he'll be nothing but a father of the cutest eight-year-old girl you've ever seen in your life. And there'll be plenty of pictures of her and no pictures of his mug shots. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? So the media is going to characterize whatever Trump comes up with as small to big. Like we're going to be deporting students, right? No, no, no. We're going to go big to small. The left is going to characterize it small to big. They're going to say, oh, don't deport the dreamers. Don't deport people just trying to make a living, paying their taxes, ripping families apart, that whole thing, right? They're going to characterize it as small to big, but we're going to characterize it. Hopefully this is what it is. Big to small. First criminals, if you've committed serious crimes, you're going to be deported. If you've murdered someone, can we all agree on this? Can we all agree that if, you, if you're an illegal immigrant and you murder someone, you should be deported? Can we all agree on that? Is that good? Okay, that's what I mean. Big to small, big to small. Okay, now let's say uh, if you're an illegal immigrant and you rape someone, is it cool if you're deported? Can we all agree on that? We want them deported? Okay, good. Now, okay, let's go. Uh, next step. We're going big to small, remember? So those are the two biggest. Now we're going to go down. Let's say you're an illegal immigrant who's a known gang member. Can that person be deported? Good. Oh, awesome. That's great. Big to small. Okay, so let's do those three things first. Let's deport all the the murderers, rapists, and gang members. Good. Who are illegal immigrants. Then, okay, 
then will stop the flow of people coming into the country illegally. Okay, by well, like now stopping people and then sending them back, good, we'll stop the flow. It's great. Now we can come to the table and talk about what to do with the law-abiding people. Otherwise, a law-abiding people who are here, right? Then we can have a rational conversation. But now we can't have one because we've formed teams, right? You have progressives who are on the game on team, right? They're just on the open borders. Everyone's allowed in no order, total chaos. Just the, the, we'll call that the huddled masses team, right? So when I propose a totally common sense, hey, if an illegal immigrant comes to America and rapes someone, can we deport them? The people on that team, they have to say, like, they, they ha- they're in their corner, right? They're in their team. They're in their box. They have to say, no, we can't deport anyone. I said, well, hold on. You're telling me you have a U.S. citizen woman who's raped by an illegal immigrant man. You think the man should go to jail, serve a couple years, and then be released back in America? You really believe that? And they're going to say, yes, he, no deportations, because that's the team they're on. So open borders trumps women's rights is what they're saying. So all I'm asking for prog- from progressives is that we just find a bit of common ground. Okay, let's agree on who should be deported. Murderers, rapists, gang members. Let's agree with that. Let's stop the flow. And then I guarantee you, progressives, I guarantee you, if you can agree to those two things, we can all come to the table and propose, and I bet you could propose, a basic path to citizenship. No, no, get up. Let me hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. Once the border's closed... And serious criminals have been deported and that whole process is up and running and everything's good. I bet most Americans, I bet most conserv- I bet most Trump supporters would listen to some sort of path to citizenship. I don't know what that would look like. But we could talk about it. Right now, the path to citizenship is totally off the table unless we stop the flow of current and we deport serious criminals. Do those two things. Then we can have a conversation and debate the uh, otherwise law-abiding citizen. Are you with me on that process? And I hope Trump can articulate this big to small because you're going to get, again, the media is going to totally freak out and pretend that it's small to big. No, big to small. You agree on these big things. You agree to stop the border, to, to close the border. And not to close it. It's just order instead of chaos. So we get some order at the border. I like that. Roll with that. Order at the border. Deport gang members, murderers, rapists, and then we can have a conversation. But you got to do those two things first. Big to small. Last point on this. If you are a white person riddled with guilt about what I just said, riddled with guilt about having strong borders and, and, and deporting certain people, don't feel guilty. Most Hispanics support ending sanctuary cities. Most Hispanics want a stronger border. Most new immigrants want a stronger border. Most new immigrants want stricter immigration policies. It's crazy. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't listen to the media say that deporting someone who just needs to cross the border is akin to Japanese internment. It's not. I'm pretty sure a plurality of Japanese Americans would not have been in support of Japanese internment during World War II. But today we have a plurality of Hispanics want, want a stronger border wall. <laughs> a plurality of Hispanics want tougher immigration rulings. Cesar Chavez, like the, the greatest hero of the, the Hispanic activists, 
was to the right of Trump when it comes to shutting down the border. So this isn't even a conservative position. Don't even think about it that way. This is the old globalist versus nationalist divide. But even more than that, really, I think it's just order versus chaos. I think most Americans don't mind refugees coming in, visas, immigrants, whatever. It's about order, order versus chaos. And I hope Trump frames this as an order issue. And I think most Americans will jump on board. Order at the border. And to go back to that headline, there's nothing breathtaking about this. (laughs) Again, other than the fact that something's changing, but... The action itself of what I just outlined, there's nothing breathtaking about that. one 888 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on The Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater is on. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time. I just got a minute here, so uh, I'll share something kind of goofy here. I went to the doctors the other day for our son. Uh, He's four months. It was his four-month checkup. He is, uh, he's huge. He's in the 91 percentile for height. So the doctor, you know, checked it out and said, oh, he's going to be really tall. He's four months. We said, what do you mean tall? He's like, oh, yeah, over six feet. So what are you talking about? How can you possibly tell that already? How can you tell over f- for four months that he's going to be tall? So my wife said, oh, my gosh, when, when we went to like the 30-week checkup or something, when Jack was in the womb, the doctor measured Jack's, I don't know, femur or whatever, and said, oh, he's going to be tall. So that was at 30 weeks or something, 24 weeks, 30 weeks, whenever that checkup is, in the womb. So... I just got me thinking, what's the earliest you can tell that a baby is going to be tall or short? Isn't that wild? So the doctor's you know, telling us how tall Jack's going to be. And I'm, I'm like, I catch myself beaming with pride. Like, like I had anything to do with it. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I didn't make Jack tall. There's, there's nothing I contributed to that. I, I, but, I, but I'm still like, oh, that's my boy. Like, what the heck? But then I, I remembered reading a while back in Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, Blink, about the privilege that tall people have, right? So we have all this privilege about race. Earlier, we talked about privilege of class, uh, but no one talks about the privilege of height. So Malcolm Gladwell ran a study where he looked at all the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So the average height of a man in America is 5'9". So I'm 5'11", and my grandpa's the only tall person in our family at 6'2". So I'm, the average height is 5'9", uh, for a person, for a guy. The average height of a CEO is 6 feet. Nationwide, 14% of men are 6 feet or taller. That's it. Only 6 feet or taller, only 14%. But 58% of CEOs. For men 6'2 or taller, only 3.9% of men in the country are 6'2 or taller. But 30% of CEOs. So Malcolm Gladwell went back to, to different studies that have been done looking at people over their lifetime and looked at their income. So each they've concluded that each inch of height results in another about $800 a year in salary. 
So if you take two people who are identical in every way, except one is six feet tall and the other's five, five, the six foot tall person makes about $5,500 a year more than the shorter person. Now, why? No one does this. No one's like, oh, I'm going to pay you more because you're tall. That's not how that works. It's all subconscious. We associate uh, leadership and strength with certain qualities. And height is one of them. Right? If you're tall, you tend to command a presence and look like a leader. George Washington was 6'3". James Madison, the guy who wrote the Constitution, 5'4". Little guy. It's like 110 soaking wet. So it makes you think if James Madison was 6'3", would he be the father of our country? Now, George Washington obviously also had the other characteristics to back it up. It wasn't just his height. That's not what I'm saying, but the 6'3 certainly adds to it. Let's do it the other way. If George Washington was 5'4", would he be the leader of our country, the father of our country? So this is how quickly we judge people, right? It goes back to our analysis of quick judgments that we make all the time. And we think like, well, who should be in charge? I don't know. He's tall. Like that's how our, that's how our brain works. Not to mention in our society, sports are of great value. So if you're tall, you're more likely to be good at sports that we value in America. So you're more likely to, let's say, get a football scholarship. So then you, who played football in college and another applicant to a job who did not play football in college, you're identical in every way. But the guy you're interviewing with loves football. So you talk for 45 minutes about football and you get the job just because you get to hit it off because you played football in college. And it's all started because you were tall. Isn't that wild? So I just think it's interesting because, you know, we talk about privilege in this country. And, and the reason we talk about racial privilege is because that's just how we have recently grouped ourselves, right? But if we naturally divided ourselves based on tall people and short people, as opposed to black and white, for instance, then there would be all this talk of height privilege and there would be taxes on tall people to even out income disparities between high, high, tall people and short people. I don't want to give DC any ideas about it, but that's how, uh, that's how much of a difference being tall makes. How silly. But that's not even that my main point. My pain, main point is how irrational we are with the decisions we make. Other than your decision to spend some time with us today and to listen to The Blaze Radio, that is a rational, logical, well-thought-out wise decision. Facebook, search for The Mike Slater Show on the book. Slater Radio on Twitter. We can hang out all week. Until then, we will see you next Saturday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network.